awesome. Unbelievable. My goodness, it's great to be in the place here right now. Awesome. Come on, if we're going to shout, why don't we get to our feet and let's shout to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come on, we praise on Him. Praise on Him. Give Him your love this morning. Give Him your love. Hey, Jesus. Jesus. Awesome. It's great. Hey, we're so good to be here. And uh, what a phenomenal place this is. Uh, I was telling uh, Pastor Dave uh, during the praise and worship, I love the energy in this place. It's great. And, uh, you know, I also want to say this is, uh, uh, you know, I, I want to thank uh, Pastor Mike and Joy Connell uh, for having me here today. Pastor Dave and Kate also uh, for, you know, for hosting me while they're away. But, uh, you know, uh, you, you probably don't realize how good you've got it. I've had the chance to travel to a number of churches around the planet. And, uh, you know, when you get to do that, you get to see a lot of personalities, church types, and uh, to have a pastor who believes in the power of God, but not only believes in the power of God, but operates in the power of God is something phenomenal. And uh, I think we should honor the man of God. They, they may not be here today, but why don't we put a stand to our feet and let's put our hands together for the senior pastors of this house. Let's love on them. It's good. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Hey, we'll just tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, Kerry Robinson's my name. I am the pastor, or the high school's pastor, at uh, Christian City Church under uh, Pastor Phil Pringle there in Sydney. And uh, as he mentioned beforehand, I'm not an Australian. I'm a missionary to Australia. I'm a, a Kiwi boy, born and bred in Auckland City, and uh, well, South Auckland. And what happened was, uh, I was a church kid. How many people were church kids here, born into the church? And uh, what happened for me, I was, uh, I, 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 my mum and dad were pastors. And, uh, you know, so because my parents were pastors, because they uh, were the ones that, uh, you know, they dragged me to church every week. And, you know, I knew the stories really well. I knew about David and the ark. I knew about Daniel uh, on the cross. And uh, I was up there with the theologians. Uh, I knew the stories really well. And so because I knew the stories so well, I, I did what I could to distract my Sunday school teacher, uh, muck up the class and uh, do what I could. And I must have been the first person to ever be suspended from Sunday school. They booted me out of the place and they said, you know, and I was really excited about that. You know, seven years of age, just suspended from Sunday school. And, you know, so, so what I thought, man, this is great. But then my dad found out and it was judgment day. And it meant that, you know, I, I thought, that's cool. I don't have to go to church anymore. No, 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 no. I had to go and sit in church. And you know, I, I was brought up in a traditional church and, 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 you know, for a kid, you know, it was just, it just didn't you know, meet it here for me. And, and, and I hear stories, you know, people would come into the place and they would have some unbelievable testimonies of how God transformed their lives. I mean, you know, you hear the stories about, you know, the being behind bars, done the drug scene and killed a few people and, you know, and, and then God saves them. And, and they say words like this, that while I was behind bars, Jesus Christ came into my life and, and, and it's turned my world around and I've been in love with Jesus Christ. And I would hear testimonies like that, as extreme as it is. But I'd be sitting in my seat and I, as a kid and I'd be going, I don't understand this, God. 
Here's someone that's come from an extreme background. Here, I've been in the church serving you, well, you know, or just going to church. And you know, I know the story's really well, God, you know, and, you know, and, you know, I, I, I don't know if I've missed a week yet. And, and I don't understand because I don't have that relationship with you. And uh, so here I am, teenage years. I, I literally, I'm going to church every single week. I don't remember a week where I missed church. But I was living another life during the week. And what happened was, is that after a breakup with a girlfriend, I was going out at 19. I, at that point, had never, uh, you know, been drunk, never taken, uh, put a smoke to my mouth, or never, uh, you know, got drunk, you know, snorted or whatever. And the thing was, is that I thought, forget this. I'm going to forget what my parents said. I'm going to forget what the church has tried. It hasn't worked for me. I'm going to turn my back on this thing. But at that point, there's something jumped inside of me and said, just give me one more chance. And so I said, God, I'm going to give you one chance. And so what happened was that I was given Good Morning Holy Spirit, the book from Benny Hinn. I took that book and I read it. And when I read that book, uh, I saw a man who had come from a traditional Orthodox background, how God had encountered him in his bedroom, how the Holy Ghost changed his life. And what took place is as I'm reading this, I, before I got to the end of the book, I just threw it down. I got on the knees of my bed. It was 11 o'clock at night. I think it was April 1993. got on my knees and I lifted my hands and uh, I said, God, I, 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 this, what I've done hasn't worked, but I need this Holy Spirit. Baptize me in the Holy Ghost and fire. And at that point, listen to me, at that point, I had this energy. I had this power that went into my body. My body started to shake. But all I can say is this, is that the head knowledge that I had went to my heart. And it was that day I encountered Jesus Christ. And I have never looked back since. I've been preaching not long after that. Three weeks after that, I started preaching. And uh, I haven't led up since then. And uh, God has sent me to Australia and, uh, you know, God's doing an awesome thing. I'll tell you a little bit about what we're up to. But I'd love you to grab your Bibles and i love you to open up to Habakkuk chapter 1. Habakkuk sits between Genesis and the maps. If you can't find Habakkuk, turn to the book of Concordance. Is it good to be in the church, house of God tonight, today? We're going to have a cook, chapter 1, verses 5. Why don't we stand to our feet? Up and down, it's church size. Who's standing next to someone good looking right now? Show hands. Now, not all hands went up. It's funny, funny that, you know, the older people, they put their hands up, but the youth never put their hand up. Either they're just too tired or maybe they're really attracted to the person standing next to them. And they just don't want to admit to it. The Bible says, speak things that are not as though they were. So let's do that again. Who's standing next to someone good looking right now? Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 5 says this. It says, look to the nations and watch. And be utterly amazed, because I'm going to do something in your days that you wouldn't believe, even if you were told. Let's just lift our hands across this room. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father, that you are in this house. Father, I pray right now, Lord God, that you'd come in power. Lord, you'd speak to every individual in this auditorium right now. I pray, Lord God, that I wouldn't just bring, Father, information. I wouldn't bring motivation, but revelation. Father, we know that revelation produces transformation. And, Father, we want to give you all the honor, the glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. You can grab a seat. Tell the person next to you, get ready, get ready, get ready. 
So it says, look to the nations and watch. And be utterly amazed because I'm going to do something in your time that you wouldn't believe even if you were told. God gave me this scripture in January 2006. I mean, I read it many times before. And, but, but it was this time when I, when I read through this particular scripture, something jumped on the inside of me. Look to the nations and watch. And I realized here's a scripture that you know, God had given to the prophet Habakkuk. And he was saying, Habakkuk, I want you to look to the nations surrounding you right now in this time. Because I'm doing something in your time, Habakkuk, that is going to blow your mind. You're going to hear stories of what's taking place. It's going to blow you away. And I heard that and I, and I realized, God, this, this, is a, this is a scripture for now. Right now, right here and now. And he said, this is a message I want you to give to the church, 2006. Look to the nations and watch. Be utterly amazed because I'm doing something in your time. And, and so what I did is I went off and I, I did a bit of study. And uh, had a look to what God's doing in the nations. You want to know what's going on in the nations? So in Korea, for example, uh, in the beginning of 1900s, they said that there was no reported Christian church in Korea. Today, they have one out of three that are Christians. Korea now has the largest Methodist, Presbyterian, and AOG churches in the world. Africa, in 1900, there was one in 13,000 that were Christians. They're saying by 2025, 50% will be saved. That's 600 million people. Nigeria, this is a hot spot. There's a church there right now, right now that has a prayer meeting that runs from, uh, on Friday nights from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., 12 hours, and a million people turn up for that prayer meeting. They have the largest uh, covered building on the planet today. It's 1.4 miles square. That's 56 football fields put together. When the church gets together, and they don't do this often because, you know, you think of the logistics sound people, lighting people, deacons and ushers. Think of the logistics of holding for But when they do, when they do the altar call, it's not just slip out of your seats and come down the front and we're going to lead you in a prayer. It's get on the bus closest to you and they'll drive you to the front and then what they do is do the counseling and drive them back. I mean, it takes a while to walk through four million people. They're getting up to 20,000 converts a day in Africa today, giving their life to Jesus Christ. Late in America, in 1900, 90,000 evangelicals. Now, 2006, over 40 million. They're saying by 2010, 30% of the population will be saved. China. Some are saying this is the greatest revival in history. They're getting somewhere between 28 and 30,000 decisions for Jesus Christ every single day. They've got restricted birth policies. And, uh, you know, you can only have one child. And, you know, over the year, they, they, they want their name, their family line to continue. So the, the unfortunate thing is, is that they don't want to have girls. They only want the boys because that's where the name's going to be passed through. And, and, and so what's happened is that they've, they've reported somewhere around 100 million girls have been aborted. That means there's 100 million single guys there. There was a story of, uh, you know, three sisters in the Shangri-La province who started 52 churches in two and a half years. The smallest church has 500 people. The average church is somewhere between 800 and 1,000 believers. In India, today there's 103 million believers, up to 100,000 conversions a day. Islamic world, in 1980s, they said there was uh, 19 million reported that converted from Islam to Christianity. Say that 12% of of the Islamic population having supernatural visitations. I remember hearing a story of a... Of a family, mum, dad, two kids. And the two kids, uh, you know, were enjoying life until mum and dad died. 
What happened was is that when they died, they were passed on to uncle and uncle was part of the Al-Qaeda network. He wasn't a good guy. He really didn't care about these two kids. So when he buried mum and dad, he took these two kids alive and buried them alive in this tomb. In this tomb. Several days went past. On the fourth day, uh, there were other people that were down in this tomb burying someone else and they hear sounds coming from a tomb. They go down, they rip the wall off and as they're ripping the wall off, uh, they notice there's two kids in there and eventually they get into the place and uh, they, they hear the story you know, that they, of what happened and they ask the question, how did you survive without any food or water? And they said, well, if it wasn't for a man in white who, used, who came along and, and gave us water, we probably wouldn't be here today. And so a story went through the entire Al-Qaeda network, that story. And the question was, have you seen the man in white? The man in white is moving. His name's Jesus Christ. Look to the nations of watch. Be utterly amazed. Former USSR. Today there's 100 million believers. There was an outreach in 1993. A church ministry decided that, uh, that they would uh, put on a television outreach. They were going to take the three major television networks and put on a children's program, a youth program, and an uh, adults program. At the same time, primetime television at night. And what was going to happen was it's a one-hour presentation. What took place is, is that in that one-hour presentation of the gospel, towards the end, they said, if you're interested, then please send away for this, and we'll send you back some information. They said that they had such an overwhelming response that the Soviet Union ran out of envelopes. I mean, that's amazing. They had up to 14 million people that converted to Jesus Christ as a result of that. That's something to get excited about. So the summary. At year 2000, they're saying that 174,000 on average were converting to Jesus Christ daily. Up to 3,500 churches being planted every day. 170 million believers, Christians, committed to praying for world revival and missions on planet Earth daily. What I'm trying to get across is this, is that we're living in a time in history where we're in the fastest moving movement on planet Earth. He says, look to the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. And when I, I do this, when I did the study and I heard these things, I, I, I'm, I'm blown away. I'm going, God, you are incredible. How amazing you would take on part of the fastest growing thing on the planet. And you've chosen me to be a part of it. I was excited about that. He says, be utterly amazed. I'm doing something in your time. 2006. Look to the nations. And I realized, man, as I'm reading this, I'm looking to the nations. I realized that, hey, the same Bible that I'm reading is the same Bible they're reading. And so while I'm looking to them, they're actually looking to us. I don't know if you grasp that. But while I'm looking to them, they're actually looking to us. You know, it's so easy to look and watch. But I don't believe that God's motivation for that scripture was necessarily just to inspire you, hype you up so you could shout, you know, and praise God and leave it at that. I believe it was a motivation to get us active, to doing something significant. Because I'll tell you this, is that when I saw that, that they were looking at me, I realized that I had a responsibility on my life to do something significant for God. So as uh, Pastor Dave mentioned, I'm the high school pastor. And so in January, I decided, okay, what, what, what do I want to achieve this year? And my goal was I wanted to have uh, 20,000 students come through our programs in high schools. And so what I did is that I, I, I thought, man, this is going to be a big shot. But, you know, with God, you know, with the resources we've got, people, I think we can do this. And so what I did is I, I said, all right, we're going to do this. 
20,000. At the end of this last week, we had 41,000 students that came through our programs. He took us to that exceedingly abundantly realm. And see, God is moving on planet Earth today. And the exciting thing is, is that God wants us, or has called us to be a part of His plan. See, every single morning when I wake up, I, I want to give God the first part of my day. And so what I do is I get out of the house and I go and have a walk with Jesus. found myself this morning as I took a walk around the streets of where I was staying. And, and, and I find myself every morning after I've, I, I, I spend that time just honoring God and loving on God. I don't, I don't want to start off by just going to God, oh, please do this. <laughs> oh, God, save my, save the, oh, God, and just giving him a shopping list. Too often we go to God quickly with our shopping list without just praising Him for who He is. I go to God and I'm just going, God, you're so beautiful. You're so wonderful. What a beautiful land this is. What a beautiful city this is. Oh, look at those. I mean, He knows. I mean, just you look at trees and you go, my goodness. And so, so I'm doing that. But when I finish that, I, I find myself moving and say, God, I, I don't want to just pass through life. I don't, I don't want to just be part of history. I want to be a history maker. I want to do something significant for you. I don't just, just, just want to breathe and eat food and, and just, you know, just pass through life. I want to do something for you. I want to do something significant for you. And so the thing is this, is that God has called us to do something significant on planet Earth. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to, turn to, you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. Sound like they're having fun out there. It's either that or a demon running away. <laughs> Jeremiah 1, verse 5 says, Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart, and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. This is the word of the Lord that came to the prophet Jeremiah. Before I knew you, in your mother's womb, I knew you. How cool is this? I found three parts to this. Before the foundation, before you understand this, before you were a sparkle in your mother and father's eye, God who knew who you were. Before the foundations of this earth, God knew every detail of your life. I mean, He knew what your personality was going to be like. He knew who you're going to marry. He knows who you're going to marry. Who would like to know who they're going to marry? They would like us to do an altar call for marriage? No. He knows what car you would drive. He knew, knew what houses you would live in. He knew the people you'd hang out with. He knew the things that you would, you know, you, you would enjoy doing, the food that you... He knows everything about you. But it just doesn't say that he knew you. I mean, he planned it out. But it also says that he set you apart. Not only did he know who I was, the Kerry Robertson, but it says it set me apart. In other words, he's made me different to every human being on planet Earth. I realized, man, this is pretty cool. I'm the only Kerry Robertson on planet Earth. My goodness, man, you, you realize this, that you're the only you on planet Earth today. I'll go another step further. There has never been you before and there never will be you ever again. Not only does he know you, he sets you apart. And in that separation, separating, he's put gifts and talents in me. He, he's put supernatural gifts and talents into my life. But it just doesn't finish there. 
He just doesn't, you know, he's just saying, go and enjoy life. It says that he appointed him to be a prophet. My goodness, not only does God know me, not only has he set me apart, but he has appointed me to do something on planet Earth. He has given me a mission statement, a purpose to do something on planet Earth right now. And, you know, you've got to understand this, that in your place where you're at right now, it doesn't matter what age you are, what background you've come from, what, you know, whether you're rich or poor, whether you've got hair or no hair, understand this, is that God has got a purpose and a destiny for your life. I mean, I got excited about this. And one of the girls that, that uh, is in uh, my youth ministry, high school, was a high school that had closed down to us. This particular high school had, uh, you, know, you know, sort of tried to slow up a lot of the things that we wanted to do in the school, and so we couldn't get back into the school. It wasn't a school that we had much fruit from as far as students coming along to our youth. And so what took place was uh, number of the two students that were in there were let down. One of the girls, her name's Lisa Biddle. Lisa, she decided that she wanted to do something with her life. Now, she's a good-looking girl with a brain, has got influence with teachers and students. She is so on fire for God. And what happens is, is that she goes, oh, I want to do something. She'd been let down, but she heard a message that I put on in one of our high school seminars, the power of one, the, the, the fact that, you know, one person with God can make a difference. And so what she does is she decides, I'm going to do something about my life. She decides, I want to put an outreach on in my school. So what she does, she does, decides, okay, I just want to bless the school. I want to feed my school. I want to, you know, I want to have a sausage to them. I want to feed them all. There were 600 students, just a small school. I want to feed 600 students. Now, she said to herself, if I can just get 80%, 450 of them, it'll be good. So what takes place is that she decides, okay, I'm, I'm going to make this happen. So what she does is she goes off and uh, she gets sponsorship. She only gets sponsored 158 sausages. She's gutted by this. But that's all she had. She couldn't get Christians involved. She had to get non-Christians involved. And what took place was that she, uh, you know, right before lunch period, she, she closed her eyes and she said, God, you know, I've, I've tried to... You know, I, I want to bless the school, but God, I've only got 158 sausages. So today, God, I give this to an, as an offering to you. I want to win my school for Jesus Christ. The lunch went. Lunch bell went. Students came running in from all different directions. And she said that that day they fed 450 students that day. Now, some of you go, oh, did someone come along and give them sausages? No, no, no. There was a multiplication took place. I don't know if you remember the story of the boy that bought the, you know, the two loaves, the fishes, and, and he bought that and he gave it as an offering and Jesus multiplied. That's what took place in that school. 16, 17-year-old girl. So Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, not to harm you, but to give you hope in the future. He's got a hope. He's got a future for you. He's got a reason for you to be on planet earth right now. So I want to ask the question right now, just in the next couple of minutes, how is it that we can make a difference in our world? And I realize, man, before I can make a difference in our world, I've first got to make a difference in my world. I've got to make a difference in my world. So let's quickly, I want you to go over to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. And we're reading from verses 1. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at a time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. It's good to pray. Thursday night. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention expecting to get something from them. 
Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Take him by the right hand. He helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and he began to walk. Then he went into the temple courts, walking, jumping, and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to be sitting at the temple gate called Beautiful, begging. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. So if you want to make a difference in your world, first of all, point number one, we'll just be straight today. Point number one is get over yourself. Now here's a man that was crippled from birth. Understand, it wasn't this man's fault. I mean, he, you know, it wasn't a fact that you know, one day mum dropped him and ever since then there's been something wrong. It was the fact that he was born, he, he was born with a way where, where he just didn't have any strength in his legs. He was crippled, he couldn't move. And so daily he was taken to the temple gate called Beautiful. And he was placed there to beg. I wanted to know why they call it Temple Gate Beautiful. Why was it called Gate Beautiful? And I found out the reason it was beautiful, called Gate Beautiful, because it was beautiful. It was a beautiful place. But you know what? He was in a beautiful place daily, but he had an ugly problem. And do you know what? You can be living in a beautiful place. I mean, you're living in a beautiful place. Hastings, are we living in a beautiful place? You can be in a beautiful place, but you can have an ugly problem. Let me go another step further. You can be in a beautiful church with great praise and worship, with great preaching, with great miracles and signs and wonders, but you can still have an ugly problem. And so here's a guy that's stuck at the gate. He, he, he's stuck on the, you know, he can't get it. And, and he's stuck here and he can't move. And he's just there daily begging for anything, money, food for the poor, sir. And the thing is that so often, man, when things go bad in our world, Stuff we do. We make mistakes. You're looking at someone that's made a lot of them. And what happens, we make mistakes and you, you go, oh, Kerry, it's nice for you to come along and say, make a difference in your world. But really, you, you just don't know what I've done. No, I don't. I know what I've done. But do you know what I do know? Is that the Bible says that he forgives me my sins as far as the east is from the west. It don't matter what I've done. If I come to this altar, no matter where I'm at, if I'm out on the street, if I'm at my home, in my bed, wherever I'm at, If I just say, Jesus, forgive me, the Bible says that he forgives me as far as the east is from the west. He'll forgive you. And so often, man, we carry around that luggage. We carry around the pain of what's taken place in our life. But God says, just let go of it. Let me forgive you and walk free of it. Don't let the condemnation hold you down. Don't let the devil come and point his finger at you. I've set you free. Get over yourself. Oh, but you know, you don't understand. You know, it's nothing I've done. It's it's something that someone's done to me. They abused me. They, 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 they said horrible things to me. There was a, a kid by the name of Daniel that uh, I, I was uh, working with. This particular kid, and I'm going to go through this really quickly, but this particular boy, he was brought up in a family. Mum and dad were not the appropriate parents. At a young age, they asked these kids to take, you know, him and his sister to take his clothes or take photographs. Eventually, this, kid, this boy was put into pedophile rings and moved around the place. Shocking situation. I met this kid at 11 years of age. At 11, he was cross-dressing. And what happened was that he, he was uh, you know, found breaking into houses and high heels and, and a skirt, ten, you know, the 11-year-old boy. And you know, they, the, the world were trying to get help for him and the counseling, and you know, we, we, we need to support those government agencies that are helping them. But at the end of the day, I knew that none of these places are going to help him. The only place that's going to help him out is Jesus Christ. 
the house of God. And so what happened was is that I did my best to get him along to our youth conference phenomenon. And I set him up to get to this conference and he, he got there that night. First night, nothing happened. But second night, when the altar call was given, I see this boy running down the altar. He lifted his hands. I see tears falling down. And that night, he gave his life to Jesus. You know what? That particular boy, today he's still in the house of God, two years later, serving God. I see him out serving in the car park, doing stuff. If anyone's got an excuse, this boy's got an excuse. But man, he's got over himself and let go. So if you want to make a difference in your world, number one, get over yourself. Point number two. Point number two is, let the man of God help you up. Or let the man of God lift you up. So what happens in verse 7, it says they're taking him by the right hand. He had a choice. So, hey, silver and gold, he don't have any money. You want me to stand up? Or you don't understand. I, I don't have any strength. I've never been able to walk. But the man of God stepped into his world. And he reached out and he grabbed a hold of his hand. And, and he lifted him up to his feet. As he lifted him up, strength came into his feet. Understand that unless the man of God had stepped into his world, unless he allowed that man of God to help him up, to go to new territory, to go to new ground, he would never be walking today. And that story would never, never written in the word of God. What I'm saying is this, is that if you want to make a difference in your world, we need to be people that let the man of God lift us up. I'm talking about your pastors. I'm talking about your cell groups, connect groups, your life groups. What do you call them? And, uh, you know, a play, you, you need your men of God, woman of God, to, to help lift you up, to go to a new ground. Sometimes, man, there are things you, you're asking for, but they see another side. They go, no, no, this is what you need. This is it. And let them help you up. The other key scripture I saw in the here was the one in verse 6. Sorry, in verse 5. So the man, the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. The man gave him his attention. Man, I tell you, when I turn up to church, what am I doing? I'm giving attention to my pastor and I'm expecting to receive something from the man of God. And so when you're in the house of God, when your pastor and pastors stand up on the, up, man, you just get on the edge of your seat. Man, I'm giving you my attention. I'm not going to be thinking about my world. Man, I've had my pressures. I've had things go wrong, but I'm giving you my attention. I'm expecting. Come on, pastor. I'm expecting. Give me, give me, give me. I'm ready to receive. And they'll help you up to a new level. Point number three, the final point is this is run to the presence of God. See, understand that as a cripple, the Levitical law said that you could not pass into the temple gates. The temple gates, you, you couldn't be crippled in that place where the presence of God hung out. So he was, tater, he was on the outskirts, and what happens is that he gets healed. And, 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 and he, he starts to realize, man, I can walk. I can walk. I, I, I've got movement in my leg. I can stand. I can, I can be like, oh, oh, Jesus has healed me. Jesus has healed me. Jesus has healed me. I mean, you'd get excited too. Oh, Jesus has healed me. Jesus has healed me. And what happened for the first time in his life, he was able to go into the presence of God. For the first time in his life, he could go to the place where God dwelt. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus has healed me. Jesus has healed me. Oh, oh, oh. He's healed me. He's healed me. Oh. And what happens? What happens is that it takes place is that people gather around and they're going, can you please be quiet? I've come to pray. Hallelujah. I've come to pray. Can you be quiet? Oh, I'm not being quiet. Jesus, 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 Jesus has healed me. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus has healed me. And he wouldn't let up, man. He carried on and on. Oh, I love this next part. The crowd's coming. Peter uses an opportunity, man. He stands up, man. He, he, he preaches the word of God. And it says that that day... I need to get fit. <laughs> but that day, 
2,000 people were added to the church. That's awesome. Well, that's a good day. One miracle. One miracle. I bet you that beggar never woke up that morning and thought, man, as a result of my life, I'm going to make a difference to 2,000 people. The point is this, is that we need to run to the presence of God. Man, when the church doors open up, man, we run to the presence of God. When the praise and worship's on, man, we run to the front. You don't necessarily need to run to the front, but in your hearts, you run to Jesus. You, you give Him your, you're running to the presence of God. When the altar call comes, you run to the presence of God. But you know what? The other place is in your own quiet time. In that place where you run to the presence of God in prayer. Oh my goodness, man. I, 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 just this year, my world has transformed totally. My God. I tell you, my life has turned around because I've taken time out. And, and tonight I'm going to give you a little, you know, more insights to what God did in my life this year. But you know what? This is, this is the key. Is that we need to be people, men and women of God, that run to God in His presence. If you want to make a difference in your world, those three points. Number one, get over yourself. Number two, let the man of God lift you up. Number three, run to the presence of God. I tell you, there's many other points I can give. But those three points, I tell you, will help you go to a new place and making a difference in your world. Tonight, what my plan is this, is I want to go the next step. How you can make a difference in the world. I want you to come ready, expectant. I love you to close your eyes. I love the keyboardists to come. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus.